Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon and welcome to NJSBA's Blog Talk Radio program, Conversations on New Jersey Education, a show dedicated <laughs> excuse me, to bringing uh, state leaders to you and the state and the education issues that are important to our school districts to you and to those in the education community. Uh, it's a conversation I have with these state leaders and educational leaders, and I hope that you feel free to join in on this conversation. My name is Ray Penny. I'll be your host for this afternoon. Noon's program. Uh, before I get started, however, I'd like to ask Anne-Marie to tell you how to participate. I'd be happy to, Ray. To call in, dial 1-347-989-8904. When you are ready to make a comment or ask a question, press 1. That will indicate on my switchboard that you are ready to ask a question. I'll get your name and your question or topic. Also, if you are on the phone line, I will ask you to turn down the volume on your computer and only listen on the phone since there will be a delay and it is confusing. If you are just listening on your computer, we do have a chat room feature that you can log on to. We will be monitoring the chat room and will pass on some of the comments or questions to our speaker. To log on to the chat room, you will need to register with Blog Talk Radio. Thank you, Anne-Marie. Um, Today in education, uh, school districts are under tremendous pressure to uh, increase student achievement uh, in, in all fields, and uh, that sometimes is difficult. Uh, but one of the areas of emphasis has been in science and math, and there's something that we call STEM, um, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, which is a, a – well, we'll explain what that is later on uh, with our guest today. Our guest today is John Henry, who's a, a STEM consultant uh, with New Jersey School Board Association, but before that, uh, John has a lot of uh, inform- uh, background in uh, STEM-related activities. Uh, John, uh, welcome, first of all. Thank you, Rick. Uh John, just, can you just give us a little brief background of uh, your experience? My experience with STEM education started uh, about in 1993 as a technology education teacher, and so I did that for 14 years and then stepped out of the classroom to work with the ERC, developing STEM and sustainability programs. I spent one year at NASA headquarters as, a, as an Einstein fellow, working in their uh, office of education. And uh, coincidentally, they were obviously NASA is a big STEM uh, organization, and, and their big initiative was really promoting um, students to move in those, in those fields. And so they had a very big initiative that I was part of at, in 2004-2005. Uh, so I was very honored, actually, to be part of that. And I got a pretty good dose of what, you know, national, you know, governmental organizations were doing to try to promote STEM. Uh, uh, and, then, and, I'm, and now I'm working with New Jersey School Boards Association, developing some uh, programs and trainings in STEM and sustainability. Uh, well, what is STEM? I mean, I, 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 it's an acronym, but is it? Is it just having a science class? Well, I mean, you know, the, the acronym is Science, Technology, Engineering, and Mathematics. You may have heard of STEAM, which is the A in the, in the STEM, which is arts. You may have heard of STEM G, you know, G is geography. And the, the newest one, which I'm very excited about, is I-STEM, which is integrative STEM. And, you know, I mean, when we talk about STEM, a lot of folks will look at it and say, well, what is it really? And we already have STEM in our, you know, in our schools. We're, we're teaching these things. And... Um, we're teaching these subject areas or the content areas, but 
what we really, when we're talking about at STEM, is really, in a, and I'd really like to lean more towards the integrative approach. Because currently what we're doing with STEM is we're teaching it in silos. Students don't see the connections. I mean, think of some of the kids who will see connections, but for the most part, if you're doing STEM in isolation or in silos, not really taking the full advantage of what STEM really is. And really, STEM is about problem solving, not solving a math problem, an equation on a board or on a piece of paper, but actually looking at situations and real-world situations that need resolution and, and using those content areas um, to solve those problems, but really presenting them in problems, real-world problems like pollution, um, you know, energy, things of that nature. So the kids are getting the full uh, gist of, you know, real-world applications. And it really is about taking a look at what we're doing now with STEM, and is it really the question would be, are we doing this theoretical uh, academics, or do we want the applied academics? Because a lot of folks are saying that the kids are coming out of schools and they don't have the actual skill sets needed. And that's where STEM, if done properly in schools, then will actually provide the students with the skills necessary to actually succeed in the global workforce. Uh, so if I'm hearing you correctly, John, uh, it's not just uh, a rote learning of either a science or mathematics class. It's a little. It's kind of a process of how that uh, is applied. It's. Are you saying it's more uh, engaging learning and more uh, team related? And also, I oh. guess from what you're saying is it's also not just like okay, we're just going to do calculus. We're going to solve a problem using science, mathematics, and engineering or w whatever. Maybe even the arts. And beyond, yes, and beyond. I mean, I mean, the way the way that a lot of some of the experts are, are talking about it now is that STEM is just not for the kids who are maybe on college-bound track to going for those particular career paths. It's also it's for everyone because when you understand how to solve problems, that's going to serve you well when you hit the workforce in any field. And so STEM becomes very important for students to understand and learn. You know, even if it's just from the problem-solving point of view and understanding a you know, an engineering process, or at least some of the engineering process. They don't have to become engineers, but it would be nice if they really knew how to solve problems, real-world problems. It really comes down to that. Um, before I go on, is this, I know we're starting to emphasize it now, but is this something that's relatively new, or is this something that really has been around for a while? No, it's been around for a while. I mean, there's there's a lot of resources and a lot of documents have been written, uh, the National Academies, you know, the, the, um, Educate to Innovate. We have documents that have been coming out since probably um, early 80s on the urgency, if you wanted to look at it that way, is that, yes, we need to increase our STEM um, knowledge to our students. So this is not something that's new. There's been quite a few documents that have been coming out saying that, you know, we need to pick up the pace here in our schools. Because, I mean, even though, I mean, if you look at New Jersey, for example, I mean, in terms of test scores, we're actually not doing too bad on, from a national perspective, but it's really what the kids are able to do. You might be able to pass a test, but what could they actually do? What are they, you know, physically and mentally uh, able to do, at, you know, at the end of their, their career in high school? So this is actually really geared towards not just being able to pass some type of standardized test. This is actually being able to function in the workplace and, and use uh, your knowledge in the workplace. Absolutely. It is. I mean, when the kids go through college, and, you know, if you look at it, too, from the, the urgency side and why why STEM matters, 
a lot of uh, a lot of money is actually being spent on remediation for kids who are coming out and they just don't get it. And they've been able to pass the test, but they still don't have to do certain things. So, yes, it's they need these skills beyond. And when they hit the workplace, again, a lot of corporations, a lot of companies are saying that this is, you know, these are some of the skills that we're expected our employees to have and are we as high school educators really preparing them for that. So it's beyond passing a test. It really is about, you know, moving into a career and actually being able to apply those skills. So if um, I'm on the school board, how do I tell – what are like the characteristics kind of of a good curriculum? Because everyone teaches science and mathematics, uh, physics. It's all, it's all there. Uh, uh, so how do I tell which is – more closely related to STEM and might be more of this type of what you're looking to put, uh, promote? Well, if you look at some of the, the components of a successful STEM program versus a standardized class, and I mean the traditional way of teaching is, you know, the students are in rows, they're learning about math equations, and they're, you know, they're pretty much static. But if you look at some of the, the, the new terminology and the way that STEM is actually set up, it's more collaborative. It's the teachers, students, the community. It's student-centered. Focus on real-world problem-solving, linked, obviously, to core, you know, you know, uh, core workforce readiness skills. Those, the partner, you know, the P21, the 21 uh, skills. It's project-based, hands-on, minds-on. It's applied skills. It's and what's really important is is it's relevant to the student. I always say, if you if you engage the student, the achievement will follow. And so I think that for me being in, you know, a variety of different schools is that really taking a look at what I see is are we really engaging the students? And so if you can engage the students in, um, in the things that they're interested in and then apply those STEM uh, content areas, you have a really good chance of actually having a good successful STEM program. You know, obviously it's connected to common, you know, common core standards. It's action-oriented. Um, systems thinking, you know, so we're not just looking at just like just math or just using technology. We're looking at the entire, the bigger picture, and that's why the project and problem-based learning is a very successful way of integrating it because the kids are actually solving the problem that's presented to them, and then through that process, which is the most important part, they actually um, learn a lot of the content areas. This is an intentional way of doing STEM. This is not, you know, teaching in isolation and hoping that it sticks, hoping that they actually learn the math. This is very intentional. And the uh, learning is really take, taking place in a community environment where the kids are relying on each other, they're relying on the teacher. They're not limited to the four walls of the, four walls of the classroom. The world becomes their, their, you know, their classroom. And for school board members, I guess, and, and it's for school administrators, you know, I know you said the history of this goes back, and uh, I know when I was at workshop, uh, I remember it goes back to uh, Nation at Risk. Uh, some people can trace the start of it to then. Uh, but is it uh, – maybe it's me. I, I see a push now from the, the government, both the federal and the state government, to be <coughs> emphasizing this curriculum. Am I correct in that? Well, yeah, they are. I mean, because the statistics, and I believe they're not going to quote statistics. This is not what this is about today, but the statistics are saying that, you know, 
the United States is losing ground internationally. You know, there's, there's again, it comes down to kids not having the skills that are required, and what are those reasons? So from a national point of view, you know, it's about global competitiveness, teaching our kids actually to be competitive in the workforce, what's going to prepare them to do that, you know, and the statistics are, you know, and time and time again, they are saying that we need to pick up the pace. Now, how would I know, but uh, going back to my original question, uh, how do you, so the difference between a good a STEM, say a STEM program and something that's just traditional would be uh, the things that you should look for or if you're looking for the curriculum is something that's collaborative, which means that it might be involving more than one teacher. It's two, three teachers uh, all with lessons planned integrated together. Is that something that you should be looking for in your curriculum? Yes, and you can, I mean, we are stepping outside the traditional box right now, but yes, those are some of the components in it. You can have a, a parent connected to a project. You can have a corporation, an expert in a particular kind of STEM-related career or, or a corporation that could be part of that. So the model of STEM is going to look a little bit different than the traditional way that we're doing business right now. So it is not just about, again, isolation in the math class, and the math class looks very traditional. It is about this open, more open classroom, more collaborative. Yes, it's not about just one teacher. And when you're doing a project or problem-based learning in STEM-related uh, situation, the, the classroom teacher can't know all the content, but it's not about that. It's not becoming the teacher as a content expert. Yes, in certain cases that is true, but... There's going to, what happens when you do that kind of project is you're going to step outside the walls of that teacher's uh, comfort zone, and the students will take ownership of it and learn what they need to know you know, to get a job done. For example, there's a, there's a good example of High, High Point High School. They were doing an I-STEM or integrative STEM project, and the kids were presented with the situation. They came up with, um, there was a problem in the medical industry, and bed source, and the kids addressed the problem. They created a solution for bed source in the medical industry. They created their own company, their LLC, and they were awarded a patent for the solution for bed source, and that was in an integrative STEM right here in New Jersey classroom where they were focused on the project itself, and through the process, they did a lot more than just the, the, the narrow focus of STEM they went beyond that. They went to the business and the economics and all the things that they had to do. They were researching, you know, looking at the, they were covering the literacy piece, the reflection journals and things like that. So it stepped way out of bounds of a traditional classroom, and they were highly successful. Now, that's not done often in a class like that, and I, and I think some of the stumbling blocks with that in the schools, well, how do we do that? How do we actually implement some of these things in our school you know, with your, you know, a traditional schedule. But sometimes you have to take a look at what you want to accomplish, and you have to make some changes to meet those, uh, those your goals and objectives. Uh, and you kind of alluded to it. The time would seem to be and now. To be honest with you, I did see uh, a video clip of uh, synopsis of their project, and it is actually pretty eye-opening to see uh, what they did and how it went beyond just the classroom project, they went to something where, you know, they do have a patent and uh, they're in that process and uh, it all came from a high school classroom uh, in Sussex County. Uh, 
but how do you find the time to do – I mean, because the kids, uh, at least from my perspective, and maybe I'm wrong, but in, in a project like that, they are probably more engaged than they would be than in a normal classroom. Uh, I guess you would agree with that, right? I do. Um, so, But th- that takes some time to do. That's not like something that you can do every 40 minutes. Is it something where you have to look at your – be creative with your schedule? Yes, absolutely. I mean, as from a, on a school board perspective, and they, they would have to take a look at the schedule of the day and say, how can we either alter the schedule? And I think a lot of a lot of folks will actually start like before and after school. They'll do some STEM programs to at least get more contact hours on on STEM, and that's one way that it's probably the easiest way to do it is to actually start you know a before and after school program in STEM, and then look to actually how could you excuse me, adjust and alter the, the, you know, the schedule during the day because you actually have to, not only just the schedule, but if you wanted to have a more of an integrative STEM, you still have to figure out how the teachers are going to work together. And can certain projects be run back-to-back in the math class and then they move on to the technology class? And it could be more thematic. And that's one way that, you know, some, you know, schools are actually looking at it is having a theme-based project that can run through a variety of classes. And then, of course, in the, in the case of High Point High School, they actually had, and they were running out of their technology education class. So they actually were set up to do more of an integrative STEM just by the nature of what tech ed is. Um, if you do, now, uh, for those uh, listening, uh, we're probably going to be posting these videos. I, uh, at Workshop, we had some uh, clubs, and they're robotics for the most part, uh, robotic clubs, and I guess some of them were classes, but they were usually after school or before school or not during a school day. Uh, and the kids were engaged. I, I interviewed the kids. I interviewed the teachers. Um, it, I guess the robotics where they just get a it, – it's a different type of problem, but it's the same thing where they have uh, they have competitions with other schools, but it's more of a collaborative competition. If I'm, can't, so that's a term that makes sense. Um is that something that would fit into the STEM? I would assume it would because it's it kids does. solving problems. It's using math and science and engineering I guess, at that same time. It does. It does. And, I mean, the, the, again, the whole premise of STEM, or, or at least one major component of it, is that we really want to teach the kids how to solve problems. And in, in the example for at workshop, they had first robotics. And they were solving problems. They were given a situation where they had to solve it, and obviously it was through robotics doing that. But the kids learned multiple processes through that. All it was was taking robotics that was exciting to some kids, not all, uh, to solve a problem. But that could be done in a variety of different ways. In that case, FIRST Robotics has a really nice program that's been around for a while. Um, But it was definitely an engaging program for students, and I'm sure when you interview these kids, they're probably very positive about their experience by going through the robotic program. Oh yeah, there there was no doubt. They were, uh, at least from you know, they were eager to do it. They did it after school. They put in a lot of extra hours in it. Uh, it was almost like it was a sporting event for them. Um, is there a way right. to build partnerships with the the uh, since corporations seem to be in the business community seems to be very behind. Uh, increasing our science and technology and all STEM programs, can we build partnerships with them, particularly for like those club-type things? I, I would seem that th- that might be a possibility. 
Well, the cost that of going back to landlords. Yes, I, I mean, it's, sometimes it's hard to get corporations in there during the day, you know, because that's not the general routine. But yes, as an after-school or even evening programs, so I've been involved in a few of those things. There was another robotics program called Best Robotics, where, you know, part of the program was to have some local companies come in as mentors, and these these individuals were stepping up with no problem, saying, "Yes, so we want to help," you know, because they had, you know, maybe they had something to do with electronics, and they were coming in and helping the kids with that. It doesn't have to be just the high tech stuff. It could be something to do with the business model. And you can have a bank come in and talk about economics. I mean, it depends on how you set it up. So, again, if the school is looking to do that and get some private, you know, that whole private-public partnership is you would reach out to your local community. Who is in your community first? Find out who has some interest in the school systems that can actually come in and be and become content experts, provide information, work with the kids. Uh, that, that's been done. And that's, I think, what actually needs to continue to happen is that we have to rely on the, you know, the experts from the corporations. I mean, we have some, you know, we have some, a lot of companies in, the, in the New Jersey alone, like Lockheed Martin and pharmaceutical companies, and they're, they have it going on in terms of what's needed, you know, competitively in the workforce, internationally, and they have a lot of volunteers that can also come in. And I think what schools have to do is, is look at STEM as more of a, a strategy. What do you really want to accomplish with it? Who are the key stakeholders in this? And go ask those questions to those corporations and the other people who can support the efforts, including parents. Involve the parents. There might be a parent who actually does work for a corporation and has invested interest and in that can come in and bring their company with them. Um, actually, I remember one of the gentlemen I interviewed, I guess I think it was with First, uh, he's not a teacher. He's actually an engineer who volunteers his time from his company to help uh, students in that area. Um, just switching gears uh, just uh, a little bit. Um uh if a districts feel i guess some pressure with standardized tests that they they kind of have to emphasize they feel that they have to get good scores on their uh on their testing uh and there's going to be more testing on more subjects as we move down the road will this be something that might the stem is a different type of education uh will it still be able to help them pass those tests that they're also worried about or at least have their students pass the test. So I think any time that you you do something different, there is there could be a potential dip in the performance. You may see a dip because it's done differently instead of the standardized way of testing that we're doing currently. But I think the longer term, you're going to see that if you take the efforts and the steps to put in, you know, some of those characteristics and really um, some quality stem the way it's delivered. Because for me, it's all about the delivery of it. You know, it's a process. So then I think that we're going to move more towards a performance-based assessment. You're going to see that. And so it's just like anything else. I mean, if a student is doing something, if it happens to be on a project, there are ways that you can do assessment. And then you can actually correlate the standards to those projects. So there will be some work and effort that needs to go in to actually build the infrastructure for, the you know, the inter- and integrative STEM approach. But it's, it's stuff that, I think we already are doing in, in bits and pieces. It's just a matter of really making it more of a focused effort. Uh, I had read uh, – no, I was at a uh, uh, 
a seminar on this at one point, and uh, someone had said that when you see students improve in their math and science uh, and spend more time on task in that, it actually does translate into better academic achievement in all subjects. Is that something that you had come across too? Well, there was that, um, and I think I've had a brief conversation with you about the book called The, uh, the Outliers, mm-hmm. and they, they did a study in that, and they were talking about hours on task and how that equates to, you know, moving towards becoming an expert in any particular field, and it really does equate to hours on task. And so I think in the, in the book, the way it was posed was that there was, they were talking about uh, students who were pianists, for example, and the one girl they were tracking who put in the most hours ended up becoming the expert in that field. And they did it time and time again. And so if you can equate, if you look at that and make that connection to, let's take a look at, say, how many hours kids spend in math class you know, in any given school year, and then how many hours are devoted to other things. And so I think the, the, the benchmark was like 10,000 hours, for example, that it would actually take before someone would become an expert in any given field. Um, and it really was about dedication and actually putting more time in on that particular subject area. So are we really hitting the, the benchmarks in terms of the hours in STEM? You know, or is that being displaced in so many different directions in the school day that the other kids are doing sports and if there are some folks spend, uh, some kids spend a lot of time on football, for example, and how many hours are spent in a season? versus how many hours are spent in math class. So you can look at it from that, and then you can figure out, say, well, if we really need to put in more hours, how are we going to do that? And that really does become an individual school district, you know, questions that they have to ask themselves. This is what we want. We have some successful STEM models out there, and really, how are we going to do it? And um, if, uh, if I understand correctly, uh, I think the, one of the big gaps between uh, the international students uh, and the United States students in the United States is, I think, in a lot of those other countries, they spend a lot more time on tasks, uh, not just in science and technology, but definitely science and technology and math, but on in, in school in general. They than do. Our students they do, do spend a lot more time on tasks. The parents are committed to them because they know the STEM fields are where a lot of the jobs are going to be in. I mean, if you look at some of the statistics, 15 out of the 20 uh, upcoming jobs in the future are going to be STEM-related. So if you look at, like, China or India, for example, well, first of all, the statistics, you know, there's a lot more people there that we're dealing with. But on the other right. hand, they smell vulnerability with with the United States. We're kind of standing still right now where other countries are really putting a major emphasis on that. And what's going to happen is that our kids are not going to have the opportunities because those, uh, you know, the foreign students, for example, are, you know, they're going to spend the time they may be a little bit more qualified than ours, and I'm just hoping that it doesn't equate to us, you know, losing out on jobs in terms of, you know, the STEM jobs. They're going to go to others. For example, if you look at, like, a Lockheed Martin, the government, you know, they do a lot of government work with, you know, like NASA, for example, and they have to use homegrown engineers. You know, just because of the contracts that they have with those government agencies, they're really not allowed to use, you know, as far as I know, anyway, to use foreign engineers. So that means that they have to rely on our kids being knowledgeable in those STEM areas. And I know for a fact that Lockheed Martin says we're short. We need more engineers. So there's an economic factor for uh, our students, too. That uh, This is probably the area where there's going to be more jobs. 
Yes, lots of opportunities. Um, getting back to the district, though, so if a district wants to make sure it has a STEM program uh, and the administration makes a proposal, um, well, first of all, is there a place where they can get curriculum uh, on this? That uh, Are there resources for school districts in this area? Well, if you wanted to go back to, say, FIRST Robotics, they have a curriculum that comes with it. And the International Technology Education Association has mm -hmm. curriculum on STEM. There are places. There's our, our very own New Jersey Technology Engineering Educators Association is developing a integrative STEM curriculum right now. It's not available as yet, but it will be. So there so, are. So the district doesn't have to make up all this on their own. I mean, they might have an energetic teacher who wants to take it on, but there are resources for for those energetic teachers or for those administrators where they can get more information on a, a curriculum that's more exciting and uh, uh, more related to STEM? There, there is. I mean, obviously, every time you, you purchase a curriculum from an organization, it's their curriculum covering the basics. But I always like to look at it as if you can, you can certainly look at that and get some curriculum that's already been done. But there is some customization that I think is more powerful if it's done you know, you can use those as models, but what it comes down to at the end of the day is the uniqueness to place. And so they have to fit it into their schedule. They have to design what they have, you know, built into their curriculum currently. It is nice to use models, but, you know, at some point, you know, and because teachers are a pretty good curriculum writers, so once the teachers are trained in more of an integrative STEM approach and they understand how to deliver it, they'll also understand how to write curriculum that's customized to the school. So uh, if it, if you have teachers and they're very excited about this, can they go for uh, – where would they go for professional development on this, or is it just uh, the same resources for getting the curriculum? Well, a lot of um, – if you're looking at a lot of government agencies, for example, like let's take NOAA, for example, the National Oceanic Atmospheric Administration, they have STEM programs for teachers, and some of them are free. I mean, NASA has lots of education for professional, professional development training for teachers, and a lot of it is free. They do video conferencing with classes that can train teachers and they can train students on that. So a lot of the stuff is already there. You just have to go out and find it. And we'll be making a list of resources for school board members to access if, you know, if they want to see some more resources that for their teachers. Uh, you were talking about, and I... I just thought of one of my daughter's classes uh, in biology. Actually, they uh, they had an agreement, and they uh, with one of the hospitals, and they observed actually uh, open heart surgery. Would that be something that would be STEM related? Absolutely. You know, and they um, and Liberty afterwards Science they talked to the doctor about it. Liberty Science Center does um, live from operations, where I've been in a room where you have eighty students are watching a video conference of an operation of a heart surgery or a kidney or a liver transplant or something like that, where the, the kids are actually watching the, um, the physician actually perform the operation right there live, and they're asking questions during the operation. It's phenomenal. Right. I know. My daughter so did do Science has that as a resource. Yeah, and actually she did do it through Liberty Science Center. Uh, it just happened to be a hospital that was actually closer to their high school than it was to the Liberty Science Center. But she talked about that for days. Um uh, John, I know that you will be working with New Jersey School Board Association on uh, helping inform board members on their role. We we kind of went over this kind of uh, 
we glossed over a lot of this stuff. Um, what more will you be covering in those uh, programs that you will be doing? And I'll be giving this, some of the dates out later. Well, the, the, we're calling them STEM 101. And, mm-hmm. and what that is is just a basic introduction of STEM, why it matters, and why it matters to students. You know, we're, we're going to look at some of the – we're going to get a little bit more in detail with some of the statistics and the urgency of that. We'll go into essential questions for school boards to be asking. You know, an analysis, basically, if you will, of, you know, does school board members really know how STEM is being delivered? I think everybody knows that they have it in their school, but it's really the delivery and the process that we're going to take a look at. And so it's just really questioning at that point. Uh, We'll take a look at some resources. Uh, We'll take a look at some videos that are are examples and some experts will actually speak on, you know, their uh, position on STEM education. So it's really going to be a primer of an overview of it, why it matters, and we'll take a look at a few successful STEM uh, programs, like, for example, I mentioned already High Point High School. And and, and that's probably another resource that we didn't mention, I would assume, is uh, if there's people who are already doing it in school districts, it's it's good for a colleague if you, from Morris County, to call someone in Sussex County, like High Point, and say, how did you get started? What are some of the things I need to worry about? So uh, that's another resource, I guess, that we did not mention, is the, the districts who are already doing some very interesting uh, programs in this area. Yeah, they're going to get to share their, their best practices stories and the process because those questions will come up. And what I would really like to do with this, ultimately, is have some online resource so that that collaboration can actually, in fact, take place. So that if a question does come up, we know that some of the other schools that have done, at least in part, some successful STEM integration. Uh, just for our listeners, I will let you know that we will have uh, on NJSBA's website, we'll have a, a video interview with some students who are in the robotics uh, club first, which was the one that uh, John had uh, mentioned before. And I think that's an acronym, and I don't ask me what it stands for. Um, but uh, And we also have some of the the... Uh, the instructors from that program. So I, I think it, it's one thing uh, to talk about. It's another thing to actually see it. And that actually, I guess that's what STEM is, is actually seeing and being hands-on. Um, let me give some of the dates to our, our listeners of when John will be around. Uh, actually, November 14th, which is just around the corner tomorrow, uh, he'll be in Bergen County. Uh, November 29th in Atlanta, Cape May County. And on uh, December 6th in Monmouth County. Those are the the next three, uh, and then we'll have a couple dates in uh, January. So, and you'll notice that these are both north, south, central. So, uh, anyone in the state will be able to attend those. Uh, John, I have one last question for you. Uh, just give me an, uh, an example of one question a board member might be asking of their uh, administration to see the quality of their uh, STEM program. Well, for example, it could be how can your district increase the number of instructional hours students spend on STEM? Um, What actions can be accomplished to include parents to support STEM integration? Uh, Does your school provide before and after school opportunities for STEM? Uh, Things like that. I mean, uh, can your school alter uh, the school schedule to accommodate STEM literacy to be delivered differently? And so... These are the questions that, and, and there's a whole host of other questions that we'll probably, uh, that we will cover 
during the sessions mentioned. Um, but this isn't just going to be a top-down information, me delivering, you know, content about STEM. This is also going to have a conversation that school board members will have with each other and with me and the others who are in the room, and also really getting to these essential questions on let's take a look at, you know, what we're doing now, where we're at, and where we'd like to go, and how we're going to accomplish that. And these questions really will be guiding questions in the end uh, to move them forward, hopefully, if that's what they want to do in a school district. Hopefully, they, they will. Well, from your perspective, it, it's really not up for debate. We need to increase our uh, our, our instruction in this area or improve our instruction. Well, you know, yeah, I mean, it's a definition of insanity. You know, we keep expecting, you know, better results, but we keep doing the same things. We need to change. Bottom line is we need to change. There are some models of success out there with STEM. We know from a pedagogical point of view we need to do it more student-centered, more hands-on. And if we continue to do the same things that we're doing, and I'm not suggesting that all New Jersey schools are doing the same thing. There, there are some schools out there doing some very creative and innovative stuff. But um, in general, if we're doing STEM and we're not doing it as an action-oriented, innovative, creative way, problem-solving, then school board members, from a leadership perspective, need to evaluate that. They need to take a hard look at it. I, I, I lied. I did have one more question for you. <laughs> uh, if you're implementing this, it's something that you could probably do over time. It's not like you go from uh, uh, a, a normal classroom. That you Each year you keep adjusting the curriculum a little bit so that maybe it may take you three or three years to get to where you're it's completely collaborative, but it helps the teachers adjust if you do it a little bit over time. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. You don't want to shock anybody either because even when I was in the classroom uh, teaching and I started doing things a little bit differently, the first <laughs> the first people who were kind of shocking was the students. The students were not used to that. They just wanted to be told what to do, and I wasn't allowing that. I was making it more project-based, more putting it on them, making them more accountable and responsible. And that was an adjustment for them. And so, yes, there is a transition period here. It all starts with the school board and the leadership of the schools doing it strategically. And, again, it's almost like you're doing an analysis of where you are, where you want to go, and how do you get there, and those plans will drive the rest of the process. So, yes, there's a lot of moving parts when, it, when you really want to move into an integrated STEM approach. And it does take a collaborative effort. And I guess it would take good communication because I would assume that the parent, if the kids are a little confused, the parents might be equally confused uh, about something like that. So I guess it would take good communication from both the teachers and the administration. Yeah, but one of the things the school board members can do is actually communicate those efforts to the general population in the community and, yes, include them in the process, letting them know. They're almost going to become the teachers in educating on what STEM is to them and saying why it's important. And the parents, hopefully, if they can get behind that and support it and be part of it. I do want to mention, though, the Integrative STEM actually came out of Virginia Tech, and we'll have those resources for, for the people who show up, actually, at the um, at the workshops. Okay, great, great. Uh, John, I'd like to thank you for joining me. Thanks. You're welcome. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Uh, and for those uh, who are listening, uh, like I said, November 14th, November 29th, and December 6th are the first three. Uh, they're <coughs> on NJSBA's website. Uh, if you want to register for them, uh, you can register at the last minute. Uh, I'll let you know that one. But please don't try to do that on purpose. Um, and uh, our next 
Conversation New Jersey Education will be on November 27th, and that will be with the new Executive Director for New Jersey School Board Association, Dr. Larry Feinsod. Uh, we'll be talking about the future of New Jersey School Board Association and education in New Jersey. Uh, once again, I'd like to thank John, and uh, thank you for listening. Goodbye.